Hey guys, this is Live Talks, and today we are going to finish talking about the evangelist and then cover the gift of pastor. So, if you've been following along, then you understand that we've been covering the seri- a series on the fivefold ministry gifts, uh, also known as the ascension gifts. Um, or in some countries, they're just called the five ministries. And so we kind of laid a foundation for them, understanding that they represent God's government in the church. So they're, they're pretty much the established government of the church, uh, at least how God has intended it to, to be established. Excuse me. <clears throat> but today we're going to, uh, I kind of want to finish talking about the evangelist, the gift of the evangelist, because, you know, this is, uh, there's really two gifts that probably have, have had some of the hardest time uh, being part of the church, and that would be the prophet, which we haven't covered yet, and the evangelist, okay? Uh, the prophet, you know, in decades past was really ostracized and kind of rejected by the church. Most individuals who are having um, very powerful spiritual encounters or uh, things like that, so with those individuals, when they came into a church and talked with a church leader who had no grid for the prophetic, and pretty much most, many of them probably had cessationist backgrounds and understandings, they were kicked out. They were, they were, they were most of them were probably uh, considered to be demonized. So that that was one reason the prophetic was pretty pretty kicked, uh, neglected, I guess I should say, and not really part of the church. Um, the other one is the evangelist, and this is for different reasons. The one reason is that the evangelist has a hard time sitting still or staying in maybe church meetings, like we talked about, administrative meetings where you're talking about the operations and administrations of a local church body. Because the evangelist is very, we need to go, 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 and we need to preach the good news. Okay, Whereas the evangelists... Uh, over the last few decades, the big ones, Billy Graham's, uh, other people like that, where there's been a big focus on sin and salvation uh, from hell to go to heaven, that's just one small sliver of Christianity and the gospel. Like you understand the early church didn't go around telling people that you're going to hell if you don't do this. Uh, If you do, you're going to heaven. What they said is, you come to Jesus, your sins are forgiven, and you are now restored in right standing with God. Okay, And then the blessings that you have through the gospel, the gospel being expressed is healing, deliverance, salvation, the favorable year of the Lord. Go read Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. It's Jesus' mission statement. Jesus was and is the great evangelist. And we need to be uh, aware that the gospel is not just... It's not just salvation from sin, so you don't go to hell and you can go to heaven. Okay, that's one small aspect of it. And it's not even an aspect that we see uh, very markedly in the early church. Okay, they focused more on you've been restored to right standing with the Father, and you now have the blessings of Jesus Christ. So I think that's important. But the reason that the evangelist has kind of been neglected is because they have a hard time sitting still and operating in the normal function of a church. But we talked about that there are really two strategies for an evangelist. One is you send them out 
maybe to a new area, a new field that you're about to uh, cultivate and plant, maybe another body of Christ or another church, like we see Philip doing in Acts chapter 8, God sends him to Samaria. And then what happens is they're gatherers. Okay, evangelists tend to be gatherers. People gather around them when they start speaking and they listen and they see people saved. There is a grace on an evangelist that is unique. So I can share Christ, you can share Christ, but when the evangelist shares Christ, there is an openness, there is a grace, and there is a moving in the spirit realm that allows for people to truly see and recognize their need for Christ. Okay, And that is the beauty of an evangelist. So me and Billy Graham could probably share the exact same sermon. Billy Graham will see uh, a, a greater anointing in terms of people coming to Christ because that's the gift and the grace that is on his life. Right, And when we get to a teacher and we talk about teachers, then you'll understand that uh, just like a teacher, we can all teach things, but a teacher, because of the gift on his life, has a unique anointing to actually make people learn. Right, <clears throat> So I can get up there and teach, and I can be a great teacher, but when I have the gift of a teacher on my life, there is a grace where people learn and they will absorb what I'm instructing and telling them, and that's when you know you're sitting under an actual fivefold teacher. So the evangelist has that as well to see people saved. Uh, they walk in signs, miracles, and wonders because that's part of the gospel. Uh, there's usually this Christ-centered, Christ-focused mentality with them. The evangelist does have a difficult time when Christ isn't at the center, or at least they perceive that Christ is not at the center of something, um, and it makes. Things, these are the things that make it hard for them to stay in a local church. Oftentimes what you see with an evangelist is they move around um, doing through their own ministry or organization, uh, usually getting people saved and then just saying, okay, look, which churches want these people? Okay, that's, That has worked in the past, but that's not the good biblical model. The good biblical model is that the evangelist wants establishing people and seeing them saved um, or wants establishing people in salvation and getting them saved in Christ stays with them to at least help establish a church okay so there needs to be that evangelist where there is a trade-off from the evangelist to the apostle and the prophet who then come and found them deeply in the things of Christ and I think we need to know so that's one strategy that we talked about the other is that they are at a local church okay and this is what's hard because the evangelist always wants to go 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 they are at a local church, but what they're doing is they're equipping other people to do the work of an evangelist. And I think that's important for us to realize. This is what we need right now in the body. It's hard for an evangelist to stay in the church because of the tension they create. Think of your body. Your body's one body that works together, right? But you have muscles that do the exact same op they do the exact opposite thing, right? So for example, your bicep functions as a muscle that helps you pull. Right? Your tricep does exactly the opposite. Your tricep is a pushing muscle. And you need to understand, they functionally, they can't operate as the other one does. The bicep can never push, and the tricep can never pull. Okay, it is a, that, that is how they are functionally created. And we need to understand that that the body in, in some of these five-fold ministries almost appear to be completely opposite, Right? So like the pastor who's just saying, and we're going to talk about the pastor today, the pastor that's saying we need to focus on the good health of the flock. We, <clears throat> we kind of need to maybe just 
focus on our congregation, whereas the evangelist is saying, what are you talking about? We need more people. We need to go out of the church. You know, they're saved. We got them. They're, they're established. You know, we got to go. We got to get more people. Okay, and so what happens is, and I've said this, is these giftings can create tension, and if we're not careful, that tension can actually lead us to divide, and the evangelist will usually end up going out and starting their own ministry. The other problem is if the evangelist is not the head pastor at the church, because they usually have a very energetic, passionate, charismatic personality, when they speak and they gather people, it can be kind of intimidating for a pastor, a lead senior leader, whoever he is, pastor, evangelist, whatever, uh, or, or excuse me, pastor or apostle, whoever the senior leader is, if they have an evangelist on their staff, it might be intimidating and they might actually kind of force them out, um, which has happened as well. So we need to make, what we really need though is we need the evangelistic gift. And I would say right now in America, the, the church is not very evangelistic um, and, and we came, you know, many of us came from churches that that's all they talked about, but they didn't have the gifting and the anointing of the evangelist. I think that's because in previous generations, those individuals who really had an evangelistic gifting ended up getting pushed out of the church so they could actually never train up other evangelists in the ways of the evangelist. But now you got people like Todd White, who's very evangelistic, who's trying to train up um, individuals to be the same. Okay, now the thing about the evangelist that we you just got to be aware of it is it's it's kind of like their way or the highway sometimes. So you know, I love Todd White. Uh, he's he's an amazing man, and uh, you know, no one's perfect. And I'm not trying to give a, a overview of his theological beliefs or anything, but he's an evangelist, and so when he starts talking, you almost feel convicted that if I'm not doing what he's doing, I'm not a Christian, right? Well, that's just kind of what an evangelist does, provokes us to jealousy and, and that burning fire within us. And they tend to have that thing where if you're not doing it this way, you're wrong, right? Um, which we know now is not true, okay? Because the pastor also is an important job in the church. And the pastor cannot forsake or neglect his duties um, because he has to go be evangelistic, right? So that's just, I just wanted to make sure we covered that. But today we're actually going to talk about the pastor, the pastor. So um, the word that we use to, to, to give a title to most positions in ministry today is pastor, all right? Ironically, it's only used and translated once to pastor in the entire Bible, okay? So the word in Greek is poimen. Right, P-O-I-M-E-N, and it literally is defined as a shepherd, right? One who tends herds or flocks, things like that. So that is the word that we use. So the word shepherd and pastor to the same pastor are the same uh, word. So they can be used interchangeably. The this so it's you know it's a metaphor for someone who's supposed to tend to and take care of the church, right? So but it's the that word. Appointment is only translated as pastor once, okay, and that is in Ephesians four, chapter eleven. Now it is translated as shepherd all throughout the all throughout the Bible, the New Testament, right? Jesus is the great shepherd, which we see um, that's referenced in Hebrews chapter thirteen, verses twenty; John chapter ten, verses ten; First Peter chapter five, verses four. Okay, so we see that. So Jesus is literally the shepherd, the great shepherd 
uh, of his church who ministers to his church. And you see that throughout the entire New Testament. And I think we need to understand that. But there are certain qualities that pastors have. Okay, um, Some of the best principles for a pastor and, and how they function as an individual are found in John chapter 10, verses 1 to 18, because that's where we start speaking about Jesus, the great shepherd. Okay, And so if, if member pastors, these pastors are just uh, individuals, fivefold pastors are individuals who have received that grace from Jesus' own life. Okay, Jesus imparts to him, these individuals, Jesus imparts to these individuals aspects of himself that they then walk out in their life. Okay, and they then impart that grace to the church. That's the whole function that we've talked about and the importance of the fivefold ministry. These gifts have to be in operation if the church is going to receive the impartation of these gifts and fully express Christ. So a pastor is obviously someone who can lead a congregation. Um, you know, other aspects, and this is coming from Dr. Matthew's book, Apostolic Teams, other aspects that he lists of a pastor is pastors know their sheep by name. They care about the sheep. Okay, They're able to lead the sheep, okay? and the sheep know who their pastors are. Pastors provide uh, uh, food for the sheep. They provide pasture. They, they make sure the flock is being nourished through God's Word, right, and hopefully through the Spirit as well. A pastor is someone who will lay down his life for the sheep. Okay, They are invested in the sheep. Okay, and they, they desire for the sheep to prosper and live an abundant life. Um, and so the shepherd will give everything, the pastor will give everything uh, for the health and the life of the flock. And then obviously the pastor wants uh, the flock and the sheep, his, his people, to live and experience that abundant life that we see. So, and this happens through maybe uh, the pastor providing protection or rules for the people in the church, um, you know, pastor visiting people. Okay, so for example, when we talk about pastoral gift, these are the people who are visiting those who are sick, um, you know, helping to strengthen individuals, checking up on people, and that's really the function that you see when you look at this gift in the Bible. Uh other things that the pastor does is kind of when when like bad theolo theological beliefs or heretical beliefs come into the church, the pastor is very very passionate about getting those out. Um, make sure that he makes he or she makes sure that everything's done decently in order. The, the pastor is an example to the flock, and the pastor is going to give account uh, before God about the church that he was given to take place and care of. So I think it's really important for us to understand that. And so that really is, is the most definition that we have uh, from understanding what a pastor is. You know, the, the ministry gift exists because Jesus is the great pastor, the great shepherd. And, and the Bible says that Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep, the chief shepherd, and the shepherd and bishop of our souls. Okay, so you can go read that in Hebrews 13, verses 20, 1 Peter 5, 4, and then 1 Peter 2, 25 kind of mentions those and actually it's funny you know now in a lot of churches the word bishop is is now above an apostle but actually bishop and pastor are very similar um, they're both overseers of a church so really a bishop is, is just a shepherd as well and that is a biblical word um, the word in Greek for that so 
Anyway, all that to say, that is what a pastor does. So look, when you have an um, individual who is a leader of a church, we'll call him the senior leader of a church, but you're calling him pastor, what you're, what you're really saying is this is how I'm expecting you to function. But in reality, that individual might be an evangelist. So if, if you're calling your senior leader a pastor, but they're an evangelist, then you're going to come to them expecting pastoral duties. It's like you coming, It's like you expecting your bicep to act like a tricep. Or you expecting your tricep to act like a bicep? In other words, you come to something that was created to pull, and you say, "Okay, I want you to push." And it doesn't mean that these individuals can't, right? It doesn't mean that people can't learn these other traits and characteristics. It just means that they're not given that unique grace and gift to impart that to your life. So when you're having issues and you need someone like a pastor, you want to find a real pastor because. It's not just the abilities and skills someone has. It's the unique grace that God has given them to fulfill a function and a task. And you want that individual who is gifted and graced in that area. So, you know, if, if uh, you, people, you know, sometimes people just want to go to the head of a church. Like, I just want to talk to the head pastor. It's like, well, what you need is a pastor. And our head pastors, maybe he's a prophet. Maybe he's an evangelist. So you're going to probably be... Um, you're going to probably not be satisfied with the meeting that you have with that individual. So what do you want? You, we want a pastor. Let's find you a pastor that can help actually uh, with what you need right now. And the same goes, you know, maybe your your leader is an evangelist and you're, you're looking for prophetic insight and you need prophetic help. Well, then you want to go to the prophet. Okay, remember, that's how these things function. We need to learn people based off their functions, not a title they carry. And like I said in previous podcasts, um, in the series, I'm not a fan of titles. I understand, look, we live in the South, and it's a yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. So we feel weird when we're not calling someone by um, a respectable title. Uh, if, if that is you and it's that hard for you, then, you know, call your pastor, pastor, if that's what they've always been called. Or call them an apostle, or call them, you know, whatever. Call them brother, call them, I don't know. Just understand that the title doesn't define their function, right? The, what, what's going to define their function is the gifting of God in their life and you coming to know them as a unique individual and person. So as, as that's it for the pastor. Um, like I said, if you want to know really the principles of a pastor, go to John chapter 10, verses 1 to 18, where you see Jesus, the great pastor, described. Um, and they have various activities and purposes throughout the Bible, but they are more focused on the body, the health of the body, that they're living that abundant life, excuse me, and that they're walking in the fullness of Christ. So um, all that to say, uh, we need to make sure that we are, we understand, don't try to make someone who is a square fit into a round hole, right? And vice versa, someone who is actually a circle fitting into a square hole, you're not going to be satisfied with what you what you find. And we need to understand that just because someone might be a senior leader of a church doesn't mean that they're the one that is carrying the grace for what you actually need. Right, man, that's going to explode our mind right there because, I mean, this is, this is the, he's the lead pastor. No, we need to understand that the separation between laity and clergy shouldn't be there. <laughs> Because you're as much of a minister as anyone is right now. Like we all, I've been saying, your measures of grace and giftings and callings are different, but that does not mean um, that does not mean that. Excuse me. 
that you have to go to a senior leader in order to have your problems answered, right? You want to go to the person that you know is carrying the grace and the gift to see that. And so I've seen that happen many times in many churches where uh, there's someone in the church who's a leader that has a, uh, the gifting, and, and someone's like, I need this, I need this, I have to talk to the lead pastor. And it's like, man, you need a completely different grace in your life imparted into your life than what the lead pastor has. And this individual over here has it, but they're like, no, 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 I want to talk to the lead. And it's, it's that I want to talk. <laughs> I hate to say it, it's kind of like the Karen um, which, if you're Karen, I love you so much. But it's like those Karen memes that are like, I want to talk to the manager, okay? And we need to make sure we, we kind of got to get over that. We kind of got to mature a little bit and say, I'm, you know, it's not about the hierarchical structure uh, of someone and their position or status in that, which really shouldn't exist. It's about the giftings and functions that people carry. So that's all we have time for for today, guys. But uh, we're going to keep going in this series. We're going to cover all of these uh, giftings. And then once we do that, we are going to kind of break it all down and say, well, now that we know how these people function, let's talk about what an apostolic team should look like and how it functions in the body for the growth of the church. So, like I said, really interesting and important topic right now, but... We'll pick up next week. So you guys be blessed. 